All right. So, back again on a Wednesday, and we're going to get into the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Today is November 1st, 2023. So, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 34. There's been many, many times in these last chapters where uh, Moses, his death has been talked about. So Moses knew that his time was running short here on this earth, and he had prayed probably multiple times for God to allow him to go into the promised land, but God would not allow him to go. And it was a very serious thing for Moses to do some of the things that he did. You know, people will say, you know, that, that wasn't that bad. Why was the punishment so great? But you have to realize who Moses was. You know, who, who he represented and God had put him in a very important position. So anybody who is doing ministry for the Lord needs to remember Moses. And if you are given special uh, jobs or special ministry, you have to take it very seriously because you're going to be held to a higher standard. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, not many are teachers and preachers because you know, they're going to be held to a higher standard as far as you know, if you mess up, God's going to punish you even worse. And that's what we're seeing here with Moses. He was a person who was going to be punished accordingly because of his position. He was really high up. God called him to be in that position to lead the nation of Israel. And we need to take a lesson from that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I hope that as we've gone through this book of Deuteronomy, that um, you know, eyes have been opened and you know, we as a church here and those who listen on the podcast and the CD that you know, we, have, we, we are better able to do the things that you've called us to do because we have studied this book. Father, I pray that as we move on from Deuteronomy that you would lead us and help us um, in determining what we would go with next. And Father, we just ask that you would touch the hearts of people that are around this church, that are in our community, that um, they will be drawn to come here to learn about you. And Father, just help us, help each and every one of us as we continue this walk. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 34, verse 1, And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo 
to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thee, or unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. So it was, you know, you, you hear people say, you know, your days are numbered, and, you know, you've got a set number of days here on this earth. And I, I think that was, you know, that's true in that you can't extend your time if there's, if, if you're, there's a day that's already been appointed for you to die, that's going to happen. But what about the free will of man? Can you cut that short? You know, you, you hear people, I, I, I don't know how many times I've heard people, and most of the time the people who say it, they're really, they really don't know their Bibles very well. It's just those certain things that people pick up on uh, if you're ever around somebody and if they find out you're a churchgoer or they find out you're a Bible study teacher or they find out you're a preacher, they'll start to say certain things. And it's like they, they think they know enough to where they can say certain things that are Bible things to where you think that they're in. And all they're really doing is showing how little they know by the things they say. Uh, I mean, that's what I picked up on. And uh, when you really look at the way they live their life, it doesn't match up with uh, a person who is a Bible believer. But they have these, those certain things, like, well, God knows your days. You know, he, they, he, knows, he knows the number of your days and, and all that. But... Can you do things that cause you to get wiped out way sooner than you should have? And that's what, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they go to a church that's going to be more on the Calvinistic side of things, and they were wondering about the whole. Calvinistic versus the Armenianism and all that, and they were studying it. And I'm like, oh boy. And so I tried to give them an example of what you don't want to be. You don't want to be a hyper anything. And if you become wrapped up in that style of religion and you become a hyper Calvinist, then you will become a person who will be able to go out and do whatever you want to do. You, you, I mean, you just go out and sin and say, hey, I have no free will. 
God already knew it was going to happen because he knows all. And, you know, if I go out and do this terrible sin and that terrible sin, who's to blame but God? Think about it. That's where you, you end up going to when you become a hyper-Calvinist. Then you can go to the extreme the other way. And you think way too much of yourself, and you think you're in control of everything, and then you take away the sovereignty of God. So I try to get people not to focus on, it, on those, those, those things, but to read the Bible and believe what you read. And when you see things like God knows the number of your days and he knows all the, the hairs on your head, believe it. But then when it says uh, you know, people, there's examples throughout where, where God will say, um, I mean, he even says, you know, you've chose a king, but not by me. You've chose your leaders, but not by me. And that, and that, and that tells us that he, he had somebody that you should have picked, but the people picked somebody opposite of what God wanted to pick. So he lets us do things, and that could be punishment, because we always choose the wrong, you know, you know when, you, when you look at it over time. We end up, when we do what we think is right, it ends up being wrong. But, with, but if we are a people who study his word, then we do make good decisions. You know, this, all, of, all of Deuteronomy, as we've been going through this, is remember and forget not and follow the commandments, learn them, keep them, you know, tie a ribbon around uh, whatever, you know, it put a tie it around your neck, put, put them on your forehead and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's over and over. You need to know the will of God. And how do you know it? By, this, by the Holy Scriptures that we have. And if you neglect them, you will make bad decisions in life. It's just fact. That's the way it's going to be. Now, Moses was an amazing person, and it seems like it's a shame that he could not go into the promised land. But remember what he did at Kadesh. Remember how he hit the rock, and the worst part of it, it's, it's, he didn't obey, he didn't do what he was supposed to do, but the worst part of it was he didn't glorify God in the miracle of the water coming out of the rock. You, you notice that the water still came out of the rock even though he didn't do what he was supposed to do. The miracle still happened and the people got the water they needed before they died of thirst. So the result seemed to be the same as a long time before when he hit the rock the first time, but that's what he was supposed to do was hit the rock. That rock, we find out later in Scripture, that rock is Jesus, and the rock is to be smitten once, not again. Jesus goes to the cross once, not a second time. And if you try to do that again, that, that's a horrible thing to do. We're not supposed to do that. 
But Moses angrily hit the rock, and he made a statement that they were rebels, that, and then he said, we have to bring this water out for you. So he was getting the focus on him and Aaron and off of God, who was the one who was actually providing them the life-giving water. So not glorifying the Lord is where the, the worst part of that sin was, was not giving God glory. And we have to be very, very careful about doing things as a church, and when people, if, let's say we do an amazing thing, and people want to compliment us on it, we got to be very quick to say, God, God did this for us. He gave us the blessing. We always got to lift up Him in any situation like that. If somebody, we get a bunch of people come in here and we get some salvations going on and, and people uh, start talking about it's because of so-and-so over there and so-and-so and they're doing so good in the Lord and they're, they're so spirit-filled and, and, and we start bragging on ourselves and say, yep, we're just so awesome. Yeah, we'll just be like Moses. And we won't be able to uh, go into the promised land because we haven't glorified God. Now, going into the promised land is not going into heaven. They're going into their Christian walk. That's what we need to think of it as. And we will struggle greatly in our Christian walk when we don't glorify God. Now, you know, it doesn't keep you out of heaven if you're truly born again, you're going to heaven. Uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be talking a lot more about that as far as, uh, you know, I told you it was going to be, uh, it's going to be a crazy message this coming Sunday. So I think it'll be explained a whole lot better on Sunday. So even though Moses did that, that bad thing, and he's held to a very high standard, and he failed, and he can't go into the promised land. But he also did amazing things. He did, he did I mean, just think about all the stuff that he did. And the way he was born, the way he was hid, the way he should have gone to his death as a baby, you know, a lot of parallels with the life of Jesus. You can see Jesus coming into the world and how the evil king wanted all the babies dead to get rid of Jesus. You know, Moses was put in that basket, pitch put around it so that it would float in the river for protection. And then, uh, you know, Moses, he's in Egypt. You know, Jesus had to go to Egypt. To, to get away from, the, from Herod. And there's a lot of parallels, a lot of parallels in the story of Moses and how he is a type of Jesus. <clears throat> Verse 6, And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his secular his tomb unto this day. So, why, why would that happen? You know, Moses dies, but 
they didn't have a burial for him. They didn't have a place that they laid him. It was a very big deal for, the, for that nation to have a burying place. And Moses was not given that. He was buried by God and um, Michael, the archangel. But, of course, you don't see that right here. <clears throat> so how do we know that Michael, the archangel, was there? Jude. So let's look at Jude real quick. Jude, verse 9 says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Why? Why was the, why was the devil disputing about the body of Moses? Could that have something to do with why God put him in a secret burying place to where nobody knows where he is and nobody can go get his body? What, would, the, would the nation of Israel make him into some type of a god, you know, some type, you know, build a big, uh, just a huge memorial for Moses and people would go there and they would worship the statue of Moses you know would they would they have done that is that the reason that God had you know wouldn't let them know where he was buried so that's how we know that Michael was uh, involved Michael the archangel because of uh, Jude 9 verse 7 and Moses was 120 years old when he died. Now, now listen carefully. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Now, we read a while back how that he, he was not able to lead. And if you don't know about this part of the Bible, and I told you all when we went through that before, that this isn't talking about his physical ability. It was really his spiritual ability, more, than, more so than his physical ability, because even at 120, the Bible t- right here tells us that physically he was fine to live a while longer. But he died anyway. Verse 8, And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days, so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now that is a huge endorsement. I mean, that, that is really saying something about Moses. In all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. And in all that mighty hand and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. So, as, so he, he was a great person even though he wasn't able to enter into the promised land. Now think about... <clears throat> two different things 
that Moses did, you hear me bring it up from time to time because it's fascinating. <clears throat> but there's two places in the Word of God that talk about how Moses, when, when God <clears throat> told him to stand aside or he was going, you know, he basically was saying, I'm wiping them all out. All right. The first one was when, Mo, we just talked about it recently, when Moses came down off the mountain with the stone tablets. God told him before he was coming down that, that the, his, his people down there have corrupted themselves. So he comes down off the mountain, and because he had been gone too long for, for, for their patience, they, they lost hope in Moses, and they ended up wanting idols, and Aaron should have put a stop to it, but he went right along with it, and he did what the people wanted, and they did some horrible things to corrupt themselves. And that's one of the cases where God said, I am going to kill them all, and I'll start over with you, Moses. And Moses said, no, you can't do this. Just think about it. You know, Egypt, how you delivered the people out, they're going to start talking about how you couldn't finish the job, and if the word's going to get out that you couldn't deliver your people, and it's just not a good idea for you to do that. That's Moses talking to God. And God was like, well, okay. Then later, in Numbers, when you read Numbers chapter 13, you see where all these, uh, one man from each tribe is being picked out. And uh, <clears throat> they're going to go into the promised land. They're going to spy it out. Of course, one of the names is Oshea, I think. Oshea, which is Joshua. You, have to, you know, we've noticed that Joshua's name has been spelt different ways. And that's another example of, of how it was spelled. It spelled with, started with an O. I think it was O-S-H-E-A. But, but that's why there's uh, that, that name, and then look at the son of, the son of Nun. So when you see that, the son of Nun, you're like, wait a minute, that's supposed to be Joshua. Well, when you look at the list, you see Caleb came out of the tribe of Judah, and I think Joshua came out of the tribe of Ephraim, if, if I'm not mistaken. And those two are the ones that came back with a good report. <clears throat> All the rest of them had a bad report. God got so angry with them because of the bad report that he wanted to wipe them all out. And Moses again said, no, no, not a good idea. You shouldn't do that. See, he was a true shepherd. You, the Bible talks about hirelings. You know, if, if you just have a hireling, that when, when, the, when the danger comes and the bad things come, that, that hireling, because he's just there to make the money, he's just there for what benefits him, he'll run off. He won't protect the sheep. <clears throat> but you want a leader of your church that's going to be like Moses, when God says, I'm killing them all, you stand right there with your people and allow God to kill you too. That's basically what he was doing. He was putting himself right there with the people. And God, if you're going to wipe them out, then I'm right here. You're going, to, you're going to wipe me out too. And that's a true shepherd that's willing to die for the flock. 
<clears throat> so that's how great Moses was. <clears throat> also, even though he didn't go into the promised land, <clears throat> at this point, he did end up showing up there in the Gospels on the Mount of Transfiguration. That was pretty cool. And didn't he even talk to Jesus about how Jesus was going to leave? Moses knows, he knew a lot about leaving Exodus, leaving uh, Egypt and going toward the Promised Land. So Moses was a great leader, a lot dedicated to him. So look, uh, we're going to go back to verse 5, and I'm going to read something that Charles Spurgeon wrote. In 34, verse 5, where it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. Spurgeon wrote, What an honorable title, the servant of the Lord. He was, he was this of choice, for he willed, to be God's servant rather than to be great in the land of the Pharaohs. Such he was most preservantly throughout the whole of his life. Such he was most intensely, for he waited on God for his directions as a servant waits on his master. And he endeavored to do all things according to the pattern shown him on the holy mountain. His reverence for the Lord's name was deep, his devotion to the Lord's cause was complete, and his confidence in the Lord's word was constant. He was a true servant of God from the time he was appointed at the burning bush until the hour he surrendered his keys of office to his successor and climbed the appointed mountain to die. May we live so as to prove ourselves servants of God. That was Spurgeon. Moses had a choice to make. He could have... I mean, he, he went to the school, the University of Egypt. He was, he was just so learned in all kinds of things. He, some people think that he was next in line to, to be a pharaoh of Egypt. And he would rather suffer the affliction of, the people, of his people than to live that life of luxury that it was there for him. Because he was seeing something that was afar off, which was Jesus. He could see it way back then. And God called him to do something <clears throat> that it seemed like to mankind was a bad decision because he could have had all the luxuries of Egypt, the beauty there. I mean, think about all the times that the children of Israel, when they got in a bad spot in the wilderness, that they wanted to go back. I mean, they would rather be in bondage, but have everything they needed to survive, than to have their freedom and to be out in, in the wilderness and the desert and, and uh, barely surviving. You know, we're... we're People, in general, are like that now. People are very willing to give up their freedom just to be taken care of. And it's sad that we have way too many people in this world 
that are willing to be under the control of evil men, go along with what evil men once done, just so you can be taken care of. It's a very selfish thing, really. And we need to be a people who are not afraid to suffer in the wilderness by doing the right things and uh, not being drawn in to the life of safety and uh, being taken care of, but having to go along with worldly ways. Say the things that, don't, that are against your conscience, against the Word of God. <clears throat> and that's what's happening in our world today. If you follow along with the world, they'll take care of you. But if you go against them, and you are willing to suffer and lift up the Word of God and say, this is what I live by, they won't take care of you. And they will make your life rough. And, you know, as we get into the last days and we get into the time of leading up to the tribulation, you'll see, you'll see more and more. Um, you know, I, I, we were talking about Israel recently, couple Sundays ago, I guess, we were talking about Israel and all the persecution that they're under. And I mentioned something about the little country of Armenia and the things that have gone on there in the last year are just as bad as what happened to Israel, but no one knows about it. No one seems to care. But they are Christians that they're they, you know, Israel is a, a nation of Jews. Their, their, their religion is Judaism. There are Messianic Jews there that believe on Jesus, but they're not considered a Christian nation when you think about it, when you really think about that nation, but they're God's chosen people. But then you have this little country, Armenia, that is a Christian nation that are surrounded by Muslims, and they are picked on, harassed, and then here recently, they have had some very brutal things happen to them. Things that you just can't talk about. And it's because they're Christians. And somebody was talking about it on the radio, uh, some type of a podcast I was listening to. Somebody brought it up, and I'm like, ah, finally somebody is talking about it. But you will barely hear anything about it. But if anything happens in Israel, everybody knows about it. So, and then you'll notice very quickly that all people in the world, you go around the world, they will start to pick apart Israel. They'll start to blame them for things that they're not doing and make them to be the bad people. You see that every time something happens over there. Israel has a right to retaliate for what happened to them. And if you think that they shouldn't, watch out. You're not blessing Israel. You're actually cursing them. And we've learned right here that those who bless, Israel will be blessed, and those who curse, Israel will be cursed. And we need to pay attention to those things and not fall into the trap of, of the majority saying bad things about a small nation like Israel. Uh, the majority will say bad things about a Christian who stands up for what's right. They'll try to tear them down. That's just what happens. 
And we, we just need to be a people who understand that and stay strong and always give God the glory. We good? Well, that's the, all of uh, Deuteronomy. We've gone through every bit of it. It's 34 chapters, and every single word has been, has been spoken out of Deuteronomy over a long period of time, but it has been spoken out. So we'll be done and be uh, just thinking about you know, what we'll be doing next. Uh, um, I challenge Joseph to be ready. Uh, we were going to have him do the teaching tonight because I didn't know I would be free uh, as early as I was today to come be back here. But um, he would, he would, he rather me go ahead and finish up Deuteronomy. So, but I would like for him to uh, be preparing something that he can do on a Wednesday night sometime soon. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, you have provided for us. And Father, we want to be a people who stand up for what is right. And Father, we know what is right because we have your word. And Father, as we study your word, and we read it from day to day, as we go to Bible studies and church services and listen to different ministers that we will know your word more and more know your ways that we'll be convicted of things that we uh, have not been doing right and that we will be striving to do better to be a better example for those who need to see people who are followers of Christ Father I pray that we would be a people that um, you know, your light would shine through. Father, we would have the salt that can purify, that we would be salt and light in this world, that people will see something that is real and that they will be attracted to it for answers in this, in this uh, life that we're living here on this earth. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.